Welcome to Hope Assembly of God Online. We believe no matter the journey, there is always hope. This is a recording of our live Sunday sermon, unedited, uncut, real. Well, we've been looking at uh, unshakable hope. Now, here's why this is so significant, because our circumstances change all the time. From, if only it were from one day to the next. It's more like from one part of the day to the next. Things are constantly changing. And if we live our lives based on our circumstances, based on what happens to us externally, we're in a whole lot of trouble. Because there's a, a lot that is in turmoil. I almost said there's a whole lot of shaking going on because Jerry Lee Lewis died. But some of you wouldn't have gotten that. So I'll just, I didn't say that. But there's a lot of things going on in our lives. This unshakable hope we have is not based on outward circumstances. It's based on God. And see, we want to have our uh, lives built on the promises of God and not just what we experience in this life. Now, if I made you a promise, I would do everything I could to keep that promise. Let's say we were going to... You know, uh, you know, we were going to get together Wednesday at 8 o'clock. I would do everything I could to keep that promise. But me being a human, things could happen. I could get sick. Someone in the family could get sick. Uh, car breakdown. Yeah, there's a lot of things. Although my intentions would be to keep that promise, it's not in my power. See? But God, it is in, is in his power to keep every promise that he makes. So we've been looking at this unshakable hope on which we build our lives on because we need the promises of God through the turmoil of life. So the last time that I preached a couple weeks ago, uh, we talked about how Jesus gets us. He became like us so that he understands what we go through. This is kind of another part to that in that Jesus prays for us. Okay, And that's what we're going to look at today. So you don't have to say this, and please don't say it, but what's the worst thing that anyone has said to you? You probably remember some awful things that have been said to you. And there's that old children's thing, uh, sticks and stones. We've talked about this before, may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Just not true. We can heal sometimes from the physical things. It's the emotional things that last, uh, that stay with us for our whole lives. And so we've probably experienced some terrible things that have been said to us. Um, and what's the worst thing that anyone has said about you? Gossip about you that wasn't true. Just outright lies about you that weren't true. You, you remember those because they do have a, a significant impact on our lives. What I want to share with you in the next three or four hours is that it... It doesn't matter what people say about you. It matters what God says about you. And we've got to get that. We've got to get that. We have to confront the lies of what people said in the past with the truth of what God says about you for all eternity. And we're going to deal with that. There was so much in this today, and I know I say that every week. Eventually, I have to stop preparing because I literally could go on for hours and hours. But I, won't, I don't want to miss the larger point 
by too, much, too many words, so I, I want to make it important here. So what I'm going to do is walk you through Romans 8, 28 through 34. Romans 8, 28 through 34. Who's doing the... Uh... Is that Rosie? How are you? I remember when you were a little girl, too. Thanks for helping out up there. Did you want to say something up front? No, okay, just checking, just checking. But anyway, Rosie, Rosalie, it's not Rosie anymore, it's Rosalie. She's older now. Um, I'll just tell you when to flip the slides, but that first verse, Romans 8, uh, 28. Okay, let's take a look at that first. Okay, you know this one. And we know that all things work together for the good for those that are uh, called, uh, those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Okay, so before we ever get to our key text, which is verse 34, I want to walk you through the verses that lead up to that. Now, the, the main, the, the theme of this verse is not good. And sometimes we think that God works all things together for the good, and we kind of stop there, because that's all they can fit on the t-shirt or the mug. But in actuality, there's a lot more to it than just that. In fact, I think the key word is purpose. That God has a purpose for your life, and he has a purpose in all of the things that you're facing. Okay? So let's watch this together. God has a purpose. Who has a purpose? It's for all Christians. Those that love God and are called according to his purpose. If, if you are a born-again believer, you love God, and you are called according to his purpose. And so what does he do in light of all of this? He takes all of the things that are happening in our life, lives, the good, the bad, and the normal, and he interweaves them for our good in order to accomplish his purposes. Now again, we've talked about this before, but I want to reiterate it to you. Sometimes we think that life is peaks and valleys, and we're either in the valley or we're on the mountaintop. In actuality, we're in both at the same time. Think of it more as train tracks. That one track, there's a lot of good happening, and in one track, everything seems to be falling apart. And if only our problems came one at a time. That's not how it works, is it? The problems come multiple times. In fact, we can be going on these train tracks and things seem to be going along rather smoothly. And the next thing you know, and I'm not picking on Amanda, I'm just going to use her as an example because that's life. You end up in the hospital one, you know, in the middle of the night, you, you go and God works in your life miraculously. And she didn't mention this part. She comes home, has to take her youngest daughter to, uh, uh, to the doctor who has strep throat with 104 degree temperature. That's real life. That, that literally happens. And then here she is, you know, this morning uh, sharing about God's love. That's how life works. But what God does, and we've all experienced these times, is he takes all of these things. He works them. I don't know how to do it with my hands, so I'm just going to go like this. Okay? And what does he do? For our good to accomplish his purpose in our lives. Okay, so go to the next scripture verse. This is the one we don't know as well, but this one is uh, equally important. Okay, what is God's purpose and what is God's plan? Now, don't get caught up in words that we might not fully understand, okay? But watch what it says. For those God foreknew, 
he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn from among the brothers. That tells us what God's purpose is. Okay? So here's your quiz for the day. God works for good to accomplish his purpose. This verse tells us what that purpose is. What is God's purpose? To be conformed. He wants us to look more like Jesus today than we did yesterday. That's his purpose. So again, he takes all of these things that are happening, the good, the bad, and in the middle, he works them around for our good because he has a purpose for us. And what is that purpose is to be conformed to the image of Christ or to look more like Jesus today than we did yesterday. That's what God is doing. That's why he can take the bad things, the good things, and work in those and through those. Now, you might look at your situation and say, there's a lot of bad that's happened in my life. How could possibly God possibly be in that? Let me explain something to you, that not everything that's happened to you is cause and effect. All right? Like if you... Uh, Okay, I'll use this analogy. If you don't sleep for three or four days, okay, there's going to be some consequences because of that. If you stay up, Wesley, till four o'clock every day and every night, but your mom still gets you up at seven and you still have to do your schoolwork, there's going to be consequences. That's cause and effect. What about a couple but nights? what's that, a couple nights? Yeah, yeah, you can do that. Yeah. <laughs> What do I care? I don't live there. I'm not, you know. <laughs> care? What do I care? Uh, you just, no, never mind. Because he will. He's smart. He, he will do exactly what I say. Um, but those are, that's cause and effect. But watch this. Not everything that happens to you is a direct result of cause and effect. See? Bad things happen to us because we live in a broken world. Okay? We live in a very broken world. And we make bad choices, and sometimes other people make bad choices that affect our lives. Here's how great God is. He can take all of that and still work it for our good. That's how powerful he is. And he can still accomplish his purpose in our life. In fact, sometimes it's even more so through the difficult times that he molds us and shapes us so that we look more like Jesus Every day. Now, let me deal with these two difficult words here. Pre, uh, foreknowledge, he foreknew, and predestined. Okay, These are tricky words, and theologians have been debating this for a long, long time. Because God knows, it doesn't mean he forces you to make that decision. So if I were taping a football game, and I wanted to watch it, and I know some of you do this for the Eagles games, when you, and it's not a shot. They do it because they have church responsibilities, and they go home and they, they watch it. That's fine. That's a good thing. Thank God for DVRs. I thank God for DVRs. Well, I won't tell you why. Never mind. But it has to do with when there's more than one... When I'm the only one watching the TV program, I hear everything. And I don't have to rewind. I love, Sister Vi, when the laughter goes in waves as people get it at different times. 
My poor wife, she had surgery on Friday. She had a meniscus tear. And um, I wanted to go to the football game last night because we've been following them. And I didn't want to leave her at home by herself. So I left her in the car. And uh, she was fine. The only regret is I should have cracked the window for her. She watched the morning service. She was online, so she's never going to hear this. She's never going to hear this. Anyway, these nasty smartphones. Okay, so you're taping the game, and you want to watch it, but you're driving home, or somebody calls you and say, hey, did you hear the score? And you get the score before you watch it. Now, because you know the score... It doesn't mean that you made the players make their decisions. Do you see? Because God knows our choices, it doesn't mean that he made us make those choices. There's a big difference between uh, th- that aspect and him say, you know, just controlling us to the point that why should we make a decision if God is you know, going to do this? Any- no. He knows the score, that's his foreknowledge, and yet we have choices within that game to make. That's what that means. Because he foreknew who was going to serve and follow him, what he decided, that's predestination, what he determined before time was that those that choose to follow him, he's decided that he's going to work everything for the good so that they would look more like Jesus Christ. That's what that means. It's not as difficult as we make it sometimes. He decided before time that all those that would choose him, he knows who they are, because he's not in time, but he knows the choices that we're going to make. He just decided that those that choose him, he's going to work everything for their good, that they would look more like Jesus Christ. Okay. You still with me? Okay. Verse 30. And those he predestined, he called. Those he called, he justified. Those he, justif- uh, those he justified, he also glorified. Here, here it is, very simply. He called all people. This, this is the, the, the analogy that I, I use. Uh, and I think it's kind of like he uses, really. is um, He prepared a, a dinner for us. And he sent his people out and said, who wants to come to the dinner? And it's the greatest dinner ever prepared. And some of them said they were too busy. Okay, they missed it. He tells them, go back out into the highways and byways and find the people that no one else would invite. Invite them. They'll come. That's us. See, no one else wanted us in our sin, but God did, and he invited us to the table. And if we show up, it's because he called us. But did he force us to come? You get it? Get it? Okay. He didn't. He called. Then those that he called that show up to dinner, he says, I'm going to justify you. And what does that mean? He says, I'm going to look at all of your sins, and then I'm going to look at what Jesus did, and then I'm going to say, not guilty. You're going to say, what? Not guilty, but I did all of these things. He says, I know, because I know everything, but because of what Jesus did, That doesn't matter anymore because all of your sins are now covered under the cross and under the work of Jesus Christ. That's justified. Not guilty. 
but I'm guilty. No, you're not guilty. But there has to be a price paid because I did it. Yep, I sent my son to die. Okay, it's like the judge, maybe you've heard this story, that he sentenced, you know, some guy did something and he owed $1,000. And the judge had to fulfill the law. It has to be fulfilled. And the, the penalty was $1,000, but dude didn't have $1,000. So the judge took his robe off and got down where the guy was and he paid the $1,000. See, both were settled. Law, grace. See, that's what Jesus did. He came off of his throne and paid the price for our sins. That's good news. That gives me. See, that's how great God is. So, those he, so he justified us, and then he's working in our lives. That's called sanctification. That's this process of becoming more like Jesus. We all need help in that. But I would hope that you're further along now than you were 10 years ago, right? Because it's he that began a good work in you, and he'll bring it about to completion, okay? And then he works in our lives. That's what he's doing now. He's taking that good and purpose and this. Why don't you do this with me? Good. Come on, Pete. Pete Bruno, let's go. Good, thank you. Because Lucy was doing it very well, and Pete's like, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Let me see Dom Simone do that, too, because Dom's kind of a quiet guy. There you go, nice. But not like this, though. Like This is running over, running over. This is God working. Nice, thanks so much. Vivian loves when I pick on Dom, and you're welcome. So that's sanctification. Glorification is when we get to heaven, and we're like Jesus because we see him face to face. Glorification is when these bodies that sin and that are racked by sin are left in the grave, and we receive a new body in heaven where we receive all of the blessings that God has for us for all eternity. That's glorification. How is all this possible? Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Okay? I'm building, building, building. Stay with me here. Let me keep going. Every time I look down, I scroll through two pages of notes. You're welcome. (laughs) Verse 31. Is it up there? Verse 31, what then shall we say? If God is for us, then who can be against us? That person that spoke evil about you and spoke evil into your life, it doesn't matter what they say. Yes, it hurts, but there's an antidote to that, and that's the love of Jesus Christ that he demonstrated on the cross for our sins. And if that God is for us, then who can be against us? Glory to God. Now think about David when he killed Goliath. He was just a boy and then he was anointed king and they sang songs about him and he received all the glory that Saul wanted and Saul used all of the power and might that he had as the king of the nation of Israel to try to destroy this young man that only wanted to serve God. And David went through every emotion you can imagine. I've been reading the Psalms all over again. And some of them are praise songs. And some of them are depressed songs. You know? And I'm like, yeah, I get that. Because I, yeah, I live that too. 
But David had this understanding, even as a child, that if God is for me, then what difference does it make if Goliath is against me? If God is for me, what difference does it make if Saul is against me? And you'll have to fill in the name, but if somebody is against you, what difference does it make if God is for you? It goes on to say, if God is for us, who can be against us? Verse 32, the next one. And how, how do we know he's for us? He could just say it. Okay, You can say a lot of different things. What makes the difference? How you act. Look at verse 32. Here's how we know it's true. He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Who will not also along with him graciously give us all things? How do we know that God is for us? Because we're called, justified, sanctified, looking forward to being glorified, he, we've all lived long enough to know that he takes some of these bad situations, makes them for good, for his purpose. You get all of that. How do we know? Because he sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. Do you see how everything leads to the cross? There's two roads in this. this well, l- let me put it like this. I heard this a couple weeks ago, and it just stunned me. And I knew it, but never heard it put this way. All roads lead to the judgment seat of Christ. Now, I'm probably going to preach that when January starts, not the first Sunday, but the second Sunday, because all roads lead to the judgment seat of Christ, and there's no yabbits there. He opens the book and says, Randy, and I say, yeah, but at the judgment seat of Christ, there is no yabbit. There is no excuse. All roads lead to the judgment seat of Christ. But here's where I want the road to lead before you get to the judgment seat of Christ. And that's the cross of Christ. Because when we get to the cross of Christ, all of our sins are left behind. And we we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Justified. Glorified. Because of what Jesus has done. So I ask you again, what does it matter what other people say about you? All of their threats and all of their vile evilness. Can I share a, a really gross example to you? Yes. When you, when this is horrible, but I'm going to share it because I think that it'll get the point across. When you've been stomach sick and been throwing up till there's nothing left in there, okay, and only the vile and bile comes out and it's horrible I believe some of you have heard that vile from other people's lives because it's come from the depth of their own evil can I tell you there's something greater than that and that's the sweetness of Jesus Christ and his love for you, that no matter what that person has spewed upon you, it pales in comparison to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. If God is for you, who can be against you? Those hurtful words when we were children that we still remember, those hurtful words as teenagers, those hurtful words as adults, yes, they hurt. 
but they don't have to hinder you from fulfilling the purpose God has placed in your life. Because if God is for you, then who can be against you? And if God says all of these things about you, then who cares what these other people say about you? How do we know it's true? He didn't spare his own son. Now watch this. How will we not also along with him, he'll, he'll graciously give us all things. I'll just use this. Imagine this was a priceless vase. Like thousand year old um, museum type of a piece. And it's amazing. The most beautiful thing you've ever seen. Would you give it to a toddler to play with? No, because they're not at the level where they can appreciate the gift. Now watch. Watch. What God is doing is he's taking all of these things. He's working them for our good, for his purpose, that we would look more like Jesus because he has gifts for us that we can only use and appreciate the more we look like Jesus. If you live as a spiritual toddler, never growing up in the faith, then yes, you're missing the gifts that God has for you. But if you allow God to take all of the good and the bad, to work it for good, because he's working to make you look more like Jesus, the more like Jesus you look, the better the gifts he gives you. How does that person in the midst of deep sorrow find comfort and joy? Because somewhere along the way, they became more like Jesus and God was able to give them that gift. That's why some people turn bitter and some people get better. Some people turn against God and some people get closer to God. Same circumstance. What we now understand is, yeah, this is horrible, and I wouldn't want to go through it again. Like, my past year had goods and bads. My daughter's wedding being at the peak of the, the good, and everything else that's gone on, going along with it. But honestly, at the end of the day, I know that God is working to accomplish his purpose. To make me more like Jesus because he has good things in store for me in this life and in the life to come. A couple last things. Verse 34, who is he that condemns? Sorry, Rosie, I'm moving quickly here. Christ Jesus who died, more than that who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God making intercession for us. Isn't it cool when somebody says, hey, I was thinking about you today and I prayed for you. Isn't that cool? I love that. Several weeks ago, maybe some of you received this, some of you didn't. Some of it was people that just the Lord literally put on my heart. And I said, hey, how can I pray for you? Probably half of the people I did that to don't even attend our church. People in the, I don't know, I have a, a lot of names. On my phone. I just scrolled through. 
Yeah, I should reach out to them and reach out to I could not believe the response that I got. Good. Thank you so much. I was going through so much. And, this, and again, these aren't like, you know, pillars of faith that I was reaching out to. It was good that somebody was praying. And maybe you've gotten those and, and you get it and you say, oh, that's really cool. Can I tell you something better? Jesus is in heaven right now at the right hand of God praying for you. So when it seems like no one understands, he does because he became like you. When it seems like you don't even know what to say, that's okay. He gets it. When it seems like nobody understands you and what you've been through, he does. And he's praying for you because he loves you. Now, I don't know what the words are that Jesus is using. But if you just allow me this as I close. Maybe Jesus' words are something like this, and I'll just use my name. Father, I just give you Randy today, and he's one of, one of ours. He's, he's part of the family. And Father, I know you remember, but remember that day that he, he, he came forward after hearing the evangelist at 10 years old, and he prayed at the altar in Northside, Youngstown, Ohio. Remember that? Remember that? Remember that? He, he's, he's one of us now, but he's going through a tough time. Father, can you take all of these things and work them together for his good? Can you take the pain and, and, and make him into more of the image of me? Because, Father, I know your heart. You're a generous God, and you want to give Randy everything everything, you just see everything, but he's, he's not at that point yet where he can receive some of the best things that you have for him. He, he needs to grow, and so, Father, would you take the good, the bad, and the indifferent, and can you, can you mold them and, and blend them together for his good, that he would look more like me, because he, he, you want to bless him. And he's praying for you by name, and he's saying, Father, can you take, fill in your name. Say, can you take these circumstances and can you, can you use them and mold them for, for their good? And so I go back to the original question. What's the worst thing anyone has said to you or about you? And now I ask you, what does Jesus say about you? And if Jesus is for you, then who can be against you? And I do have one more thing. How do we deal with this on a daily basis? Because the enemy will remind us of all of these horrible words. Remember when your, your you know, family member said this? Or, oh, I do remember that. But you know what else I'm reminded of? I'm glad you brought it up. That Jesus, the Son of God, died on the cross for my sins. I'm now part of his family, and he's for me, and he's not against me. So it's taken a lot of the pain away. That's spiritual victory in Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Hope Online Podcast. For more information about Hope Assembly of God, go to www.godgivesyouhope.com 
or download our app in the App Store.